Broadcasting live worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, everyone, welcome to the first ever live edition of The Binge Buster Show. Coming to you this week uh, here, actually from three different places. Um, we're coming to you from uh, here in my hometown of Mooresville, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, with my friend Chris, and Morganton, North Carolina, uh, with my friend Jeff. So uh, pretty exciting stuff. Um, been an exciting week so far. Uh, a lot of lot of, lot of sad things happen. Um, but uh, but we're, we're going to stay positive on this, uh, on this show and try to have a, a really great uh, show. Um, so right now I'm going to bring on my two co-hosts. I'm talking about Chris Plano and Jeff Patton. Guys, how are you this evening? Tony, how are you? Looking forward to tonight's show and uh, we're, we're ready to rock and roll tonight. I'm excited. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm good, Jeff. Well, guys, uh, the first ever live binge buster show uh presented to you by Podbean, uh and uh of course the the show is actually being recorded for our other uh platforms but uh but guys you know but before we get this podcast started let's let's talk about uh, real quick the sad news that we heard yesterday uh of the passing of what i think is the the one of the the most famous and best guitar gods uh from our era I'm talking about Eddie Van Eddie Van Halen, guys. What what what, what do y'all think about that? Boy, uh, wow, I, I'm I'm speechless. I mean, I just can't believe it. Uh, you know, seeing Van Halen so many times from you know the early '90s to as recently as uh, four or five years ago when they toured, and you know, probably every tour in between. Uh, Seeing Eddie Van Halen was something special, and, and I've seen a lot of great guitar players over my years attending concerts. And, and you know, when it comes down to guitar solos, you know, he's he's at the top of the list, and just as a lead guitarist in general. And uh, boy, it's a sad day for the rock industry and, and for Van Halen fans. And uh, um, I mean, gosh, there's so many hits that they had, not only with with David Lee Roth, but with Sammy Hagar as well. And uh, um, uh, the band will never be the same again. Eddie Van Halen was without a doubt, you know, the heart and soul of, 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 of that band. Yes, Chris, I totally agree. Uh, if you was to build a Mount Rushmore of greatest guitarists, Eddie would be one of the four. There's no doubt about it. And uh, huge loss for the music industry. Yeah, definitely that. I mean, yesterday, what guys, when I heard the news, all, all I done at work last night, man, I had my headphones in, music turned loud, and I was playing the uh, Van Halen greatest hits. And uh, man, if 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 I could sit here and tell you guys and and tell our listeners at home, uh, my favorite Van Halen song ever, um, I, I I like a lot of them, but I would have to say Jump, and not not not, and the reason why for me Jump really isn't, um, it's a great song. Um, you know, especially with the, uh, with, with the keyboard entry, 
uh, and everything like that. And, and of course, Alex beating the crap out of the drums. But, uh, but if you just listen to the lyrics, the lyrics really tells you, um, it, it gives you great life advice. You know, it tells you to roll with the punches. And, and I think that's one of the, one of the biggest problems with America today. Nobody wants to roll with the punches. Everybody wants to, wants to throw punches. Um, yeah. but you know, some days you just got to roll with it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I take that song and I take those lyrics and I live by them because I always try every day to just roll with the punches and try to, you know, make the best of what I have and, uh, and, you know, and love life. And I do love, I love life. I, I you know, uh, uh, I'm probably the happiest now than I've ever been in my entire life at, you know, in my forties, but, uh, you know, forties is a new twenties guys. And <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to live, uh, live, live, live my life and, uh, for my kids and my friends and my family and, uh, just, um, you know, just, just make the most, especially with this COVID going on. I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta make yourself happy. Um, if not, you're going to get sucked up by the, by the woe of the world. Um, but, uh, enough of that guys, let's, let's talk about, um, the podcast this week. We're, we're going to be touching base, uh, here momentarily. Uh, now that we're in the month of October, we're going to be talking about WCW's big pay-per-views Halloween Havoc. Uh, this week we're gonna be starting out with Halloween Havoc '89, and we're gonna get to that in just a second. But right now we're gonna go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we are gonna be talking Halloween Havoc. Stay tuned. We're coming back right after this. It's the North American Wrestling Association each and every Saturday at noon on Facebook and YouTube. Each week, tune in and see the biggest stars from the NAWA, including Drew Hood, Luke Christian, Adam James, James Brody, Jet Jaggers, Ted and AWOL, Team Craig Classic, The Golden Gladiators, Dangerous Donnie, High Performance, Strokin' Tim Hunter, and many more. That's every Saturday at noon, a new episode airs on YouTube. It's the NAWA, the Major League of Independent Professional Wrestling. Check them out each week on YouTube. It's the NAWA Professional Wrestling. All right, fans, we are back here on the Binge Buster Show. And uh, it is time for our main attraction as we are going to be talking Halloween Havoc. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Halloween Havoc 1989 was the very first Halloween Havoc pay-per-view presented by World Championship Wrestling under the National Wrestling Alliance banner. It took place on October the 28th, 1989 at the Philadelphia Civic Center. It drew 7,300 people. Uh, the main event on the show, of course, was the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting as they take on the Great Muda and Terry Funk with their manager, Gary Hart. And right now, we are going to be talking the Halloween Havoc 1989. Chris, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this great big pay-per-view? I, I, I mean, you know, for for me, 
Tony, looking back at this pay-per-view, going back to, to fall of 89, um, I, I, it really brings back a lot of memories. I, I was a freshman in college. I just graduated high school uh, earlier that year in, in, in June. Um, for me, I looked at this as kind of a, you know, a, a turning point for, for world championship wrestling. As we spoke a few moments ago, they were still under the NWA banner. Um, there's some bleed over from, from talent from the World Wrestling Federation on this show and, and obviously talent from, from WCW and the NWA here as well. Um, some great matches on this show, but then I also look at this eight-match lineup. There's kind of a couple of, I don't want to use the word, maybe dud-type matches on the show as well that you're kind of like, wow, how did some of these couple of these matches even make uh, make the card that night? But I'm, well, I'm certainly we're going to dissect each match here over the next little bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and Jeff, uh, you know, in 1989, uh, what what, what uh, did uh, your uh, life kind of look, look look like at that point? Oh my goodness, uh, I was working. Uh, I was uh, 17 years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as wrestling goes, uh, still uh, in, involved in wrestling. I mean, it was. Uh, we hadn't started, uh, you know, my wrestling company. Uh, it didn't start until 1990. But as far as I know, um, the NWA was slowly making a change into WCW, which was their normal Saturday night show, World Championship Wrestling. Um, they were looking at possibly, uh, I know, trying to get rid of uh, the NWA banner um, at the time. I think they were slowly trying to the changeover um and i remember this was about a month before the uh reformation of the horseman if i'm not mistaken if that's correct mm -hmm. um, yeah um but i mean i like the idea of having a uh, special event in october and you know what better way than to you know celebrate halloween uh with a pay-per-view for wrestling so yeah, and and one of the things, guys, that I, that I'd like to touch on here, uh, up and up up until this point, uh, the big uh, pay per views that we had uh, from the NWA, uh, we had uh, we had the Great American Bash in July, Starcade, and um, in you know November or yeah, in no, at this time it was still November, uh, in November, um, and then we had the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. Um, so all that was taking place in 1988. Uh, and then when 1989 rolls around, we, uh, get introduced to a couple new pay-per-views, um, uh, from world championship wrestling. Uh, and this one right here was, was, I think one of the first ones, uh, being Halloween havoc. Um, the, uh, the color commentators on this show was, uh, good old JR Jim Ross and one of my favorite guys, uh, Bob Cottle. Uh, to me, Bob Cottle will always be the voice of mid Atlantic championship wrestling. Um, and of course we, we still have the great referee NWA referee, Tommy young. And now of course, Nick Patrick, who was actually the, the son of the, uh, the original assassin. Uh, but going in now into the matches, our opening match on this card, uh, features a, uh, a, a gentleman that had just came over from the WWF. Uh, and, and, and this right here was, was like one of the things when I started realizing that we got some issues going on here in the NWA, uh, as they bring over Tom Zink, who was a jobber in WWF, uh, put him up against the guy who was in my opinion, one of the greatest television champions of all time, 
Mike Rotundo, um, and Tom Zink gets the wind um, over Mike Rotundo. What do you guys think about this match? Uh, I mean, to me, it's an interesting opening match. I, I'm not really sure what the storyline is behind it. There may not even be a storyline, really. Uh, Mike Rotunda, I mean, just know him just from, you know, his career in the WWF, obviously. Um, you know, uh, interesting, when I was reading uh, some of the snippets on this show, they actually said that uh, Rotunda came to the ring dressed up in his varsity club outfit, and yet WCW had disbanded that angle but he was still wearing it which yeah they kind of found it a little bit hilarious for the opening match and you know i remember tom zink you know in, in the wwf as well never really was over was an undercard guy but an interesting opening match i mean um what excitement it could bring to the fans i don't know because they really never really had any any either one any history in in the nwa or wcw i would say much prior to this yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Jeff, what are, what, are, what, are, what are some of your memories or thoughts of Tom Zink? Um, I, I thought he was a pretty good wrestler, and I, I know he was, you know, a good-looking guy. I mean, the, the girls loved him, and I think that, to me, uh, you know, maybe I need to go back and watch this uh, pay-per-view again uh, and watch, because, to me, it sounds like that would be a really good matchup because you've got – you know the the young, good-looking guy, the, the 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 baby face guy against the heel that is uh, got a lot of knowledge and can carry this guy and, and make it uh, look good. And I, it was probably one of the best matches of the whole card, to be honest with you, if you look at it on paper, because the two guys could actually um, perform in the ring. So. Uh, Maybe maybe we need to go back and look at this pay per view again and uh, see what type of match they had there. Yeah, it it, it was definitely a good match. Um, Tom Zink uh, wins with the high cross body, uh, you know, defeating Mike Rotundo. The match goes thirteen minutes twenty three seconds. Um, it it was it was a good match. It just wasn't what I expected it to be. I was expecting Mike Rotundo, um, to, to you know to take the win, but I think at this time they were like 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 Chris said they were fading out the uh, varsity club. But Mike Rotunda was still trying to hold on to that gimmick as long as he could, uh, which 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 was good because you know uh, thinking back when whenever he would when whenever they did have the varsity club uh, and Mike Rotunda was known as the captain of the of the varsity club uh, shortly here after this next you know the next year 1990 um, whenever uh, uh, our, our good friend Jim Hurd takes over he makes Mike Rotundo the captain, but he dresses him up like a captain for a ship, <laughs> which is, which is really stupid. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that, 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 that's, that's for another pot, another show. Um, but now going to our next match, this is another match I thought would go a different way, but it didn't. Uh, we got the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu, Samu, and the, some, the, the, the new arrival, again, another WWF guy, uh, uh, the Samoan Savage, who was whenever he was in the WWF, he was known as um, the uh, the uh, uh, what was his name there? Um, the the uh, Tonga, Tonga kid. kid, yeah, the Tonga yeah. kid, um, and uh, was a babyface when he comes over here and he becomes a heel, um, uh, you know, joining you know his his family and the Samoan SWAT team, uh, and their new manager now is Sir Oliver Humperdinck as they take on uh, the most technical tag team in uh, NWA history, the Midnight Express, beautiful Bobby and sweet Stan 
with their manager, Jim Cornette, and their partner, uh, Steve Dr. Death Williams, as they take on the Samoan SWAT team. This match goes 18 minutes, 23 seconds, um, with the uh, Samoan SWAT team getting the win over Stan Lane. Um, you guys have any thoughts or memories on this match? Um, I mean, no really thoughts or memory. Obviously, you know, Midnight Express, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, I mean, you know, definitely the, the SWAT team. But the interesting thing I read up on this match was that Oliver Humperdinck was thrown in as the manager at the last minute because Ric Flair fired Paulie dangerously earlier in the month from a TV taping that he didn't like the way he was uh, scripting his interviews and he was going off script. So Paulie was supposed to be the manager for the Samoan SWAT team in this match and Flair fired him from WCW, which was kind of an interesting storyline as I was doing some reading earlier today. But there was some behind the scenes rumbling, obviously with, with um, you know, Flair being in the main event in this particular pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> had some serious pull in WCW to let guys come and go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think during this time they, they actually did have a booking committee um, I think it consisted of Ric Flair, um, Jim Cornette, uh, Ole Anderson, and a couple other guys. Um, so, uh, you know, instead of having a booker, they had a booking committee, which, uh, which to me, I mean, uh, you know, when back, back when that, whenever I ran my little organization, um, I had a booking committee too. Um, you know, and, and I liked it because when you have a booking committee, you got four or five different guys, uh, with, with ideas instead of one guy having an idea. So, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it just make it makes, it makes, it makes good sense. Yeah, I did. Uh, some other reading I did on this, uh, on this particular match, obviously the midnight express were the, were the baby faces of, of this particular match. And at the time, I guess in, in the NWA, and they just said that, you know, that the commentators are so trying to put them over as baby faces, but they'll, <laughs> they'll always be you know, a, a heel tag team yeah. uh, in, in the end. And it was just so probably tough of a time for them, but you know, I, you know, it is what it is, but I mean, I, I've always known that I've always known the midnight express as, you know, that the bad guys hit in the ring, no matter, you know, who they're taking on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, Hey, I wanted to chime in on that match. Yeah. The, the, the Tonga, the Tonga kid. Yeah. The Tonga kid. He was in a movie. He was in a movie. Called Body Slam. Tony, you've seen the movie, right? Yep, I don't know, yep. if Chris, you've seen it. Yeah, I've he seen was it. Tonga, Tonga Tom, Roddy Piper's partner uh, yep. in the uh, in the the movie Body Slam. Yep. And if you folks ever want to see a good wrestling movie, go check out Body Slam if you can find it anywhere. Yeah, it's, I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm I'm like Jeff. I highly recommend that movie. It's it's, it's great. And it's got some funny spots in it. Uh, all in all, you'll you'll definitely enjoy it. Um, now moving on, this is kind of crazy booking here. We uh we go from this really this really great six man tag match, uh pretty much going into a job match. Uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich against the Cuban Assassin. Um, this match goes eight minutes twenty nine seconds, which is probably about eight minutes too long. Um, but uh, but you know, to me, I I don't know what was going on during this time. You know, when you're doing the pay per view, uh. Why, why put a match on there that you can see on television? You know, you, 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 as a fan, you're, you're, you're paying money to pay-per-view. So why pay for something that you can see for free on TV? I, I never understood that, but 
but you know maybe the, the Cuban assassin had you know had, was doing some stuff backstage uh, for WCW and they felt like they needed to put him in you know put him on the card. But either way, you know uh, we had a quick match here, eight minutes twenty nine seconds. Tommy Rich, former NWA World Champion, and uh, Tommy. If 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 any of you guys, uh, Chris, I, I know Tommy's probably yeah. probably worked you know work 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 for you several yeah. times. But Tommy, Jeff, he he is a crazy country guy. <laughs> <laughs> he he definitely is. Uh, uh, I'll say this: in studying up on, on this particular match, uh, several sites I went to, they just said it was a dud. It was awful. Um, fans were even chanting, "Tommy Rich is terrible." Uh, probably some other explicitives as well. Um, you know, I, I don't even know what his run was in the NWA at this time, or even maybe how long it even really went um, beyond this. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, there's no doubt his better days as far as in the NWA and WCW were definitely, in, 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 I would say, in the rearview mirror at, at this point. Yeah, the the only other time that I remember uh, seeing Tommy Rich get a, you know, get a pretty decent push uh, was the next year. Uh, they actually teamed him up with Ricky Morton. Uh, Robert Gibson was out for a while and had some knee surgery. So um, they, they put Tommy Rich together in a tag team with Ricky Morton. And um, on the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the following year, um, Halloween Havoc, 1990, uh, I believe it's 90 or 91. I have to go back and check. Uh, but uh, on this one, uh, Tommy Rich and Ricky Morton dress up, uh, you know, like, like the, the, the next year, it seemed like a lot of the, the workers actually came out dressed in like, quote, kind of like Halloween costume type deals. And Tommy Rich and Ricky Morton came out with their hair, uh, and ponytails slicked back wearing motorcycle jackets, looking like they just came off from Greece. Um, and of course, uh, you know, it was, they, they, you know, they, they put them together as a team cause you know, they're both from Tennessee and uh, and if if you guys like I said at home have never had a chance to be around Tommy Rich, he he's like Did somebody say you know he's got that little at country <laughs> accent, but uh but Tommy's Tommy's a trip and and uh, and I've been on some shows with Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich and let me tell y'all what if you want to see some funny stuff and hear them cut up, man that that is a time and that that is that is definitely something fun uh, to see and to hear and be around because man they. If 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 you think you've got jokes, your jokes ain't nothing compared to these guys. I mean, they they are they they are two funny dudes. So you you'll definitely enjoy that. Um, now moving on to our next match, we got uh, this match is for the NWA World Tag Team Titles as the champions, the Fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Jam Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, taking on the Dynamic Dudes. Uh, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas with their manager Jim Cornette. Uh, actually, I don't think Jim Cornette was 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 actually their manager. He was like their advisor. Uh, and of course, from here we're, we're getting ready to go into a feud with the Dynamic Dudes and the Midnight Express, and that's and that's pretty much how they got the Midnight Express to turn back heel. Um, guys, I don't know about you, but I don't think the Dynamic Dudes were, were selling too many tickets back then. <laughs> No. I don't, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But I will say this: they, I, in my reading, this that they, in my readings, the Freebirds got one of the biggest pops of the night, um, hitting the ring from what I, and then obviously I think anywhere they went, and uh, but no, they were not selling tickets to Fabulous Dudes at all, other than they were 
<laughs> they were they were probably lucky to be on on the card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I know, uh, you know, looking at this card, I would I would think the very the next match we're going to be talking about would, would have been the match for the world tag team titles, uh, Doom, with uh, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons with Woman uh, taking on the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. Uh, this, this, I think this, this match was a number one contenders match, uh, for the world tag team titles. Um, th- this, this match, uh, of course, doom, uh, wins, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, uh, defeat the Steiner brothers. Uh, but man, what a, what a tremendous match that, that, that this turned out to be. I mean, you got four hard hitting, uh, college athletes in there. Uh, just, just an awesome match. What do you guys remember? Uh, yeah, the Steiners were really over uh, back in those days. And uh, Doom, uh, to me, I think they were one of the, the most underrated tag teams back in those days. I mean, because um, it two big, muscular guys who, who could actually, uh, you know, give you good matches night in and night out. And... Uh, who could go toe to toe with anybody? And I mean, if you can go toe to toe with the Steiners, that's pretty tall order there. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had a they had a lot of hard hitting tag teams uh, in this era. Oh uh, yeah, with, you for know sure. the Road Warriors, the Skyscrapers, the SST, the Steiners, and Doom. Uh, so and of course, uh, Doctor Steve Williams can't leave him out. That that guy was he was like you know watching him work back then, man. He he was throwing a lot of potatoes. Now, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I think it would be a great match. I mean, and actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe Jeff is correct, I, I think Doom and the Steiners actually even had a run after this particular pay-per-view as far as further feuding within the tag. I don't think this was kind of a one-off uh, kind of match. I think that they storylined this out somewhat, both singles and in, in, in tag team, for a little bit to, you know, to, you know, to keep the storyline going. Yeah, right. yeah. Didn't the Steiners beat the Freebirds. Yeah, or yeah. is that for the tag team titles at yeah. some point? Later yeah, on? later on. Yeah, yeah. The Steiner Bros actually win the titles from uh, from the Freebirds. Um, now, now speaking of Doom, I want to touch on this real quick. Uh, do you guys remember the first time Doom uh, made an appearance? They were wearing hoods, but I knew right away that that they that they both were you know, who they were. It was like, wait a minute. <laughs> It, because they they had the mask cut so so big, like half mask. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that that that's 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 that that's hacksaw Butch Reed, and the other guy that that looks like Ron Simmons. But and of course, back then I was a young kid, I was like, but but Ron Simmons, he's good. He wouldn't be bad. And then of course, when they when they had the match with the Steiners and they and they had to unmask, uh, we later found out that it was Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. And I was like, oh man, Ron Simmons was the All American, you know. And, but uh, but yeah, he, wasn't but, Butch in WWF at the time before this? Yeah, yeah he sure was. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. it was the natural butchery with had, blonde had hair. Yeah, blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, Speak, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and then uh, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Chris, but um, one of the things uh, I remember every time I hear the word "the natural," it reminds me, Jeff and and Chris, about the time that um, I went to go see um, the uh, the um, Star K ninety three. Here, you know, there in Charlotte, and um, at the time, Dustin Rhodes was called the natural, 
and he comes out and at the time Hooters was like one of the WCW mm-hmm. sponsors and uh, you got Tony Schiavone and um, Jesse the body Ventura on uh, commentary. And um, so as they're sitting there talking, uh, the, the, uh, the announcer announces the natural Dustin Rhodes and right as he does, the cam- the cameraman goes on to the Hooters girl and, and Jesse Ventura goes, Hey, Tony, I bet she's not a natural. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and, he, and you could hear Tony Schiavone doing everything he could not to crack up. Yeah, but hey, but getting back, I know we were talking about, hey, you know, the natural Butch Reed had a nice little run in the WWF prior to this. Um, and then, you know, Ron Simmons with, with his um, uh, uh, run in the WWF after this during the Attitude Era, uh, um, you know, did very well for himself, uh, you know, into the mid to late nineties and beyond. So, I mean, uh, great tag team, two big guys. And, and, and like Jeff said, they could, they could work in the ring with, with the best of them, you know, night in or night out. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but a definite great tag team match. Uh, I enjoyed it. Went 15 minutes, 32 seconds, um, with, uh, of course, doom, uh, winning, uh, winning the match. Now we go on to the next match, which was for the NWA United States championship, uh, this match I really enjoyed. Uh, the total package: Lex Luger uh, uh, defending his title against Flying Brian Pillman. Uh, at this time, man, Brian had had only been in the business just a few years, but I could tell that he was going to be a big star. I didn't know he's going to be as big a star as he turned out to be, uh, but definitely, definitely, Brian Pillman was um, was uh, a prime candidate here, and I think this match with Lex Luger really, really put him on the map. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, um, you know, Brian Pillman had the look, he had the hair, he had the he got his Luger. Let's not, you know, you know, I mean, comparing apples to oranges here, but this was a time in Brian Pillman's career where he was getting title shots. I mean, you know, and it, it was a great time for him, and uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, you know, out of ring stuff, you know, happened to him and things like that. I. I loved it. I read on this how he had a bunch of cheerleaders, <laughs> you know, escort him down to the ring and yeah. stuff. It's kind of hilarious. You kind of watch this stuff, and some things I remember, some things I don't. But there obviously was an entourage of cheerleaders cheering him down to the ring for whatever that evening. But you know, it was a good time for him in his career. Probably even towards the towards the, the, the you know the peak of his career, getting title shots against Luger and different things. That you know, what, what else can you ask for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was like I said, it was a good match. It went 16 minutes 49 seconds, but uh, Luger, uh, you know, main, you know, held on to the title. Um, but all in all, you know, definitely a, a, a very good match. And like I said, I think this match really started getting Brian Pillman uh, the, uh, the, the 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 push that 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 WCW was about to give him. Um, speaking of pushes, now this next match, uh, semi main event here on this show. Uh, the uh, the greatest tag team in the history of professional wrestling, uh, of course, we just lost Animal uh, last week, uh, but it, but the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk with Paul Ellering uh, taking on the Skyscrapers, uh, the original Skyscrapers, which consisted of Dangerous Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious, uh, with their manager Theodore Arlong. Uh, this match goes uh, eleven minutes thirty nine seconds. Broadway, um, just four guys beating the, the 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 crap out of each other uh jeff chris what, what are your thoughts on this match 
I hope the ring was enforced. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I mean, you got exactly four big guys in here. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I mean, it's 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 muscle, it's power, it's 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 raw. Um, you know, one thing I did when I did do some studying for this match, uh, someone said that Jim Ross during the commentating claimed that the Road Warriors were the first wrestlers to ever wear face paint in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I, I think there might be several wrestlers that might concur <laughs> to that uh, particular line. But I, I know JR was known for his lines, you know, back then and, and you know, through today. But, um, I mean, God, what else can you ask? I mean, you know, I mean, four big guys in the ring, and hey, I'm sure the Road Warriors had to work for everything they got that night because I know Sid and and, and Spivey, they're not giving nothing up. So, I mean, the Road Warriors definitely had to work, I would say, that evening. And uh, maybe Jeff might have a different angle on it, but I I would think that they earned uh, their keep that particular night. Yes, most definitely did. Uh, Talking about potatoes, I guarantee you there was, uh, a lot of spuds thrown in that match. That's all I can say. And I would say, and I'd say that, and Jeff, I would say that, 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 that the, uh, the two most uh, popular culprits of that is Hawk and Dan Spivey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you guys are talking about potatoes being thrown. Um, and, and Jeff I, and Chris, I'll tell you all this and, and my listeners at home, but uh, if you want to see something really, really funny, uh, from from the skyscrapers, go in and on YouTube and Google uh, skyscrapers versus jobbers. Um, and there's this one where this one this one jobber, right? Uh, granted, you know the guy the guy did have a body on him. He wasn't nowhere near as big as Dan Spivey or Sid Vicious, but you know the guy the guy thought he was, and he was no selling. Uh, there, you know everything that, that, uh, that, uh, they, that they were giving him. So finally, uh, you see Dan Spivey throw the guy on the floor and the guy jumps right back up. Like, like nothing happened. And Sid Vicious rolls outside and starts beating the crap out of this guy. Um, they, they go in the ring and do the finish on his partner. Then they go back to the floor and they both start just putting the boots to this guy. <laughs> and the guy's still no selling. So finally Dan Spivey just knocks the crap out of him. But it's funny. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch it. It's hilarious. It's like, it's like if I'm in there with two guys that are almost seven feet tall, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I, people talk about Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning overselling, brother. You ain't seen nothing yet. Well, if I'm in there, I'm gonna be overselling. I'm gonna be overselling Kurt Henning. Most definitely. <laughs> Craziness. But anyway, now as we get move towards our main event. Um, this, this match right here is, uh, is something to really behold because, um, a lot of history here, um, and, and pretty much this kind of, this feud between these four guys, I'm talking about Ric Flair and Sting, uh, with great Muda and Terry Funk. Um, this, this kind of started with, um, you know, back, back in the summer. Now, right now we're in October, but in the summer of 89 at the great American bash, uh, prior to that, uh, at, at wrestle war, um, Terry Funk dropped uh, Ric Flair on his head, um, pile, pile driven through a table, um, and Flair's out for a couple months. And then they come back at the great American bash, uh, you know, with their first match. And then of course it ends in a, in a big, big, huge brawl, 
uh, if you go back and listen to some of the old um, uh, Bench Buster Show podcast, uh, we actually cover this Great American Bash. I think Jeff and I have done that. But uh, but Flair and Sting and Muda and Terry Funk, they beat the crap out, out of each other uh, there in the um, – in the, uh, in the arena. So, so that's, this right here pretty much built up a tag match. Uh, I think they had a, a clash of champions to where Ric Flair, um, or I'm sorry, Terry Funk put a bag over Ric Flair's head and try to suffocate him. Uh, and then of course that, that, that took us to this, um, pay-per-view, uh, Ric Flair and sting with Ole Anderson, who just now came back to the NWA, um, and 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 I, guys, I'll tell you when when I saw this, I'm like, you know, guys, either Sting is going to turn heel, or they're going to or they're going to turn on Sting because there's no way Ole Anderson's going to stay a babyface very long. Um, but uh, but in this match, we got the Thunderdome cage match. Uh, special guest referee Bruno San Martino, um, as a as Flair and Sting take on Gary Hart's uh, team of the Great Muda and Terry Funk. This match goes 23 minutes, 46 seconds, uh, with uh, Ric Flair and Sting winning after uh, Ole Anderson punched uh, Gary Hart and made Gary Hart inadvertently throw in the towel. Uh, guys, what, what, are, what are your memories on this on this main event match? Wow. A um, couple things. First of all, Bruno San Martino, the guest referee of this match, this was definitely a slap in the face of the World Wrestling Federation. First and foremost, him being from Pennsylvania area, all the legendary matches he had in Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh, respectively, and throughout the Northeast. So, hey, kudos to WCW to getting him in the ring and into referee because Bruno, <laughs> I don't know what he got paid that night, but whatever he got paid, it got him in that ring because he wasn't really doing uh, a whole lot in the wrestling business. Um, you know, I mean, it was interesting to see, you know, Flair and Sting teaming up. I mean, after all the feuds that they've had over the years and, you know, I mean, it's just a great match. I mean, I mean, just overall, and it's a unique one where the towel has to be thrown in to declare the winner. And, you know, it, it was kind of like this one where, you know, Flair and, you know, Flair in the interview, we're not going down. I mean, we're not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're the NWA and we're not going down and that's just the way it's going to be. And um an interesting time, you know, for professional wrestling. And, uh, um, you know, I actually saw the match. I mean, Flair actually looked good. I mean, he was, you know, in great form and Sting as well. And, I mean, really all four guys in the ring. So it was, uh, you know, to me, it worked. I mean, I don't know about all the trees in the ring and different thing and all the props, but <laughs> I guess that was in it at that time. Or if you're in the Halloween kind of mood. Yeah. Jeff, what, what are your thoughts on this match? I think what had happened was at the time, um, Sting uh, had a feud with the Great Muda, um, and they were feuding. And I think that, uh, you know, Gary Hart was always Great Muda's manager. And then um, Flair wrestled somebody, and a Terry Funk was like a commentator or something. And then that's when he pile drived Flair through the table. And then Gary Hart ended up being the manager, and they were jumping on Sting. And I think Flair had come to his aid or something. I, if I'm not mistaken, 
when Flair came back, that's how they started the uh, Flair and Sting as a team. Yeah, that's I'm exactly not right. mistaken. Yeah, you know, no, no, Jim, you're, you're exactly that. right. Uh, that that all uh, uh, you know started out at the Great American Bash, uh, 1989. Uh, the Muda and uh, Sting were uh, feuding over the NWA World Television Title, and of course, Ric Flair and Terry Funk were feuding over the World Title. Uh, but and you know, like I said, at the end of that Great American Bash, uh, it ended in in you know Flair. Flair got the pin on Terry Funk, but then Great Muda and Terry Funk came out and beat Ric Flair up for a little bit, but then Steen came out and evened up the odds. And uh, so, therefore, you know, that, that put them together. And as a matter of fact, uh, there, Rick, you know, Flair cut a promo at that Great American Bash, and he said, he said, come here, Steen. And Steen came into the camera, and he said, I haven't said thank you in 10 years. Thank you, pal. And then they and then they went, over, went, went right on into the feud, uh, and the few was really hot. I mean, they, they, they were doing some, some stuff that, 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 that you're not typically at that time seeing on television, you know, especially with Terry Funk, uh, pile driving flair in the table, uh, putting a trash bag over Ric Flair's head. Um, I mean, some, some really, really inter- interesting things uh, happening during this time. Um, and of course this right here was, was just, uh, the, the, the beginning of it. Uh, and then of course, uh, I think the last time flair, and Terry Funk uh, were against each other was at one of the uh, Clash of the Champions, uh, New York Knockout. Uh, that was when they, uh, Jeff, and I know when I first met you, uh, we, we always joked about this, but it was the I Quit match with uh, Rick, Rick, Rick Flair and Terry Funk, and Terry Funk said, yes, I quit. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I knew we were, we, were, we were watched it. We were disappointed because we, we were hoping the cage would be yeah, up, you know? yeah. The first I quit match we saw was Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard from Stark 85. And we was like, oh man, Flair and Terry Funk in a cage. I quit match and there was no cage. And okay. But to me, the, the match was really great. I still remember uh, a lot of this match from all those years ago. Um, and I do remember uh, the towel being accidentally knocked out of Gary Hart sandwich. I love that finish, man. That's. Uh, yeah. a finish in order that it doesn't make any of your four competitors look bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Um, it, it, so, it definitely, yeah, it, it, uh, it kept, it kept all four <laughs> of the guys strong. Yeah. Yeah. So very uh, good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I did read one thing that they, <laughs> that they had fireworks going off at the Thunderdome was coming down. And I guess, one of the trees caught fire. Yes, it did. I like forgot that. about that, Chris. It kept yeah. burning, and, and then Muda blew it out or something with the grid. Something Muda was involved in, in helping get it out or something. Like, yeah. yeah. Some of this stuff was no, on the no, no, you're right, because what had happened was um, that, that um, you know, like you said, the, the fireworks were going off, and it caught the tree on mm-hmm. fire, and Muda was being funny, which was great. Muda climbs up on the cage and starts spe- and start start spraying mist on it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because <laughs> because on there, Jim Ross is like, "What in the world is Muda trying to do? Put the fire out with the mist?" No, it's just hilarious. The show must go on. <laughs> just hilarious. It's good stuff though. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, back in this day, I mean. Even though, like you like, you know, kind of like like Jeff pointed out at the beginning of the show, um, 1989, we you know we were we were starting to see kind of a plateau of uh, of professional wrestling in the NWA. Um, it was starting to um, you know 
NWA was kind of fading away, and now we got World Championship Wrestling uh, trying to compete with the World Wrestling Federation. So uh, a lot of uncertainties at this point in time, but um, but uh, you know it was still uh, still good stuff. Um, the the next paper or the the next Halloween Havoc that we're going to be talking about next week uh, is Halloween Havoc 1990. Uh, which is the one, Jeff, that you were speaking about where uh, Barry Windham comes out dressed like Sting uh, as Sting is now the NWA, or sorry, the WCW, because at this point in time, um, uh, it's still, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. At this, this point in time, it was still under the NWA banner, uh, but now Sting is the world champion, um, but he's defending the title on the next one, uh, a 1990 Howling Havoc against uh, Sid Vicious, and that's when Barry Windham comes out dressed like Sting and, they uh, try to try to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, but of course, then there at the end, Sting comes out and uh, saves the day and keeps the belt. But um, but on but but next week's uh, show, uh, as we're going to be talking about um, Halloween Havoc, it, it's coming from the UIC Pavilion uh, in Chicago. And every time I hear that the, the letters UIC Pavilion, I always think about the AWA. Uh, and hearing uh, the, the announcer always say, coming to you this week from the UIC Pavilion in downtown <laughs> Chicago, you know, um, great stuff there. But uh, but fans, we're, we're, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Chris and Jeff and I are going to uh, close out this podcast. Uh, but uh, we're coming back right after this. Want to get your event or business advertised around the world? Then let the Binge Buster Show advertise for you. We offer a weekly show that is broadcast over all major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. We offer five levels of advertising to fit any budget. So don't hesitate. Let the Binge Buster Show work for you. For information, contact us on our Facebook page at The Binge Buster Show. We look forward to helping you and your business grow. All right, fans, we're back here on the Binge Buster Show. Uh, Chris, Jeff, what a great show. Uh, our first live show, and uh, I think we, we went off without any major hitches or hiccups or anything. Uh, very proud of that. Um, uh, you know, to, to close out this show, um, as, as, as we look at this Halloween Havoc 89, uh, what is, what, like, you know, besides Muda trying, trying to put the fire out with the mist, what is the uh, the highlight for each of you guys uh, from you know, from from this pay per view? Um, I mean, I think for me, I mean, you know, World Championship Wrestling, I think was, you know, obviously they were still under the NWA banner. There was a crossover of talent from you know other organizations coming in as well, and, and both both wrestlers and managers. It was an interesting time. It, it really, truly was just for, you know. The whole organization, um, you know, really they had half of the show was tag team matches pretty much. Um, it was an interesting pay-per-view. It was, uh, uh, you know, there were a couple of dud matches on the show, I would definitely say. But then there were some ones that were really interesting and at that time, you know, made the company a whole lot of money um, as well in the, in the creative direction that they were that they were heading in going into 1990. They were going into a new decade and you know, where was wrestling going from here? Because it was kind of at a plateau, really, at, at that point. And, you know, you know, who's with what organization and who's going where? But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, WCW at the end of the day, no doubt, had their best talent roster-wise within the last three matches at, at that time 
with that they had to offer, you know, to the wrestling fans and, and to wrestling just in, 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 as a whole. Yeah, I agree. J- yeah, I totally agree. Um, he made some good points. Uh, to me, I think the highlight of it was, uh, um, you know, the main event uh, was was really great. I loved the finish. I just thought it was original. And, you know, at the time, you're like, well, you know, we wanted to see somebody get pinned. But yet, you know, I mean, in, in all in all, it just added more fuel to their feud. Uh, so, you know, they could continue on. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the next pay-per-view after this one was Starcade, and it was Future Shock. Is that correct? In yes. 1989. Yep. That's okay. That, yeah, that's correct, Jeff. Yeah. And uh, um, so, uh, all in all, I thought it was a a, a really good uh, pay-per-view. I, I, you know, the thing about Chris was I think that the, you know they were trying to change. They, you know, they were still well which way are we going to go, um, you know, because it's been a year since the sale uh, of the NWA from Jim Crockett Promotions to Ted Turner. And uh, as uh, the booking still uh, was okay. Uh, it was before um, Jim Hurd had come along and uh, ruined everything. But uh, uh, all in all, wasn't a, it wasn't a bad pay-per-view. I, out of... You know, if you give it one to ten, I would give it about a seven. Um, there were a couple matches that weren't uh, all that great, but uh, all in all, most of it was really good. Yeah, I agree. I, I, <clears throat> I, I, if I may chime in real quick, Tony, I think also, too, you know, WCW, I mean, I'm not in the heads of upper management there, but they're probably trying to figure out, okay, let's give this a shot. Can this work on the on the heels of Starcade coming up next? Can we squeeze this kind of pay-per-view in with the Halloween theme and still get the draw because I mean, Starcade was a, was a cornerstone event for them next to, you know, the great American bash. So, I mean, there could have been, you know, some trial and error going on as well too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, 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 you know, if you go back and look at the, at the talent that was working, uh, for WCW at the time, I mean, they, they, uh, they, they really did have, have some, some major players here. Um, you know, they, they had a good mixture. You had, uh, some, some new faces. Um, you had, uh, the, the classic NWA stars. When I say that, I'm talking about Ric Flair, Sting, the Midnight Express, Dr. Death, um, you know, Lex Luger. Uh, but, but then, you know, you, you, you had new faces, uh, like Brian Pillman, Sid Vicious, um, you know, and then of course, uh, you know, the, you, you also had the international star, the great Muda, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, they, they, they definitely had some top talent. Uh, and I, and I agree with you guys. I think they were headed in that direction of what can we do, uh, to, to really, you know, put, 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 put some people in our seats and, and get a good rating and, and draw, uh, against the world wrestling federation. And, and even at this time, they're actually going, you know, in, into WWF territory because, you know, in Philadelphia, um, the NWA went there a little bit, but not that much. But but the WWF, they they were there a lot. Oh yeah, no, the WWF had a stranglehold on the Philadelphia spectrum, no doubt, uh, in Philadelphia. And I know the Great American Bash was a normal stop for the NWA, I believe. You know, you know, each year at least once, but that was definitely 
they were definitely no doubt up in WWF territory in a time where <laughs> there was a, a lot of wars going on, you know, at that time. And, you know, there was definitely some, some colliding and, you know, having Bruno San Martino on that show <laughs> was for a reason, yeah. you know, you know, we're, we're, we're here to stay and we're flexing our muscle a little bit as well. Silently. Yeah. And yeah. Can I add a final thought? Uh, yes. As far as you, you told me about how their company would go uh, in the future. About a month or so after this pay-per-view is when they really take a bad turn uh, because, um, you know, the talk with bringing Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard back to reform the Horsemen began. Um, and we all know the story of what happened with Tully Blanchard and how big of a letdown it was. Yeah. Um, at the end of 89, because everyone was hoping, you know, the horseman's coming back, you know, Ole was going to be the manager and he was going to have Flair and Sting and Arn and Tully. Um, and then, of course, it was a big letdown. Yeah, all, all because somebody was upset that, that or they, they knew that once Tully went back to, uh, Tully and Arn came back to the NWA or WCW, uh, business was definitely going to be picking back up. Um, but instead totally get screwed out of that spot. Arn gets screwed out of the money. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, we, 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 we get something entertaining. We get Ric Flair and sting, um, you know, main eventing against each other again. Uh, nothing against Terry Funk. I love, I like Terry Funk, but to me, Ric Flair and Terry Funk wasn't as big a draw as Ric Flair and sting because, during this time, 1989, 1990, Sting was was at the peak. I mean, he was at this point, he was about to, to bust loose. And once him and Flair, you know, Flair and Ole and, and Aaron turned on him there at the clash, that right there is when Sting become a superstar. Absolutely agree. And, and from that moment yeah. on, and from that moment on, we, you know, for the next few months, uh, we had a tremendous feud, uh, with Ric Flair and Sting. And of course, uh, the, uh, the next Halloween Havoc that we touch on, uh, the main event on that one is, um, uh, or not the main event, I'm sorry, but, but we, we start to get introduced to the black scorpion, uh, which we, which, which, which we'll find out later on actually, but it actually is Ric Flair. Uh, wasn't it was supposed to have been Ric Flair. It was somebody else, but they didn't want to. They didn't want to lose. So, um, the the only the only idea that Dusty had was just throw Sting in the hood and, and or Flair in the hood and boom and 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 re, you know re, reignite the feud between Flair and Sting. And of course, we'll we'll touch on that in the next few weeks, guys. Uh, we got the whole month of October. Um, we're we're going to be doing these live. Uh, podcast every Wednesday in the in the month of October, uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, make sure that you uh, like us on our Facebook page so that you know exactly what time uh, that we'll be starting our live our live stream. Uh, but of course, if you can't make the live stream, I'm still going to be uploading uh, the show. It's still recorded and it's going to be on on all the major platforms where you get your favorite podcast. So we'll be doing that. Well, guys, um, thank you again for joining me. Uh, talking about uh, classic wrestling back when wrestling was good and fun and real and and uh, uh, each week I'm I'm looking forward to uh, talking more about Halloween Havoc. What do you guys think? 
I mean, just in closing, you know, and I say this every every week, Tony and Jeff. It, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan, and it, you know, it was you know, no matter who you were cheering for or, or booing against or whatever it was, it was great entertainment, and you know, and and you were always ready to see what's coming up next, what's what's the next, what's next after this, and I think that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, and. Uh, um, you know, great times and great memories, you know, you know, for some 30 some odd years ago. For sure. Jeff, you got any parting words before we go off the air? Uh, I think Chris summed it up. Uh, it was uh, seeing stuff like this and, you know, the few years before uh, 89, you know, from the 80s uh, wrestling. I think that's what made us all want to be pro wrestlers. And, you know, we all got to live our dreams. So there you go. That's it. Well, fans, thank you again for joining us. Make sure you tell your friends, tell your family, tell your rats, tell you whoever. <laughs> now, no rats on our show this week, fans. But uh, again, thank you for joining us for the Binge Buster Show. For Chris and Jeff, I am Tony Binge. We'll see you next week on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.